I'm so excited for our guest today, and I'm so excited to partner with one of the best drinks in the business. Do you need a quick boost to get you going? Grab a Clean Cause organic sparkling herba mate and get your day going with 160 milligrams of caffeine that won't cause the crashes or the jitters like coffee and other energy drinks do. Clean Cause is low in calories, it's low in sugar, and it comes in five great flavors, but here's the best part. Every sip makes a difference in the fight against addiction. Clean Cause donates 50% of net profits to support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. So grab a boost, live better, transform lives. Head on over to cleancause.com and get 20% off your order by using the promo code SOBERGUY. That's cleancause.com. Enter the promo code SOBERGUY at checkout and save 20%. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts, more resources. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. All the links from the uh, today's show will be in the show notes for you, so they're easy for you to find. Our guest today is Pastor Greg Monk. So excited to have him on the show from Southern California. And uh, Greg is a combat-promoted Marine who served his country in the Gulf War. Uh, he's the author of the book, The Guide, Survival, War, Fighting, Peacemaking. And that was actually just released uh, just on May 9th. And uh, he's currently the lead pastor and co-founder of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California. And he travels speaking for the Guide Soldier Foundation and SOF mis- uh, Missions, which serves active and veteran military personnel worldwide married to his wife since 1992 and they have five children and uh, man just really honored and excited to talk to pastor greg today so i just want to welcome you my friend thank you so much for coming on that sober guy oh my gosh man i'm so excited to be here thank you yeah. for the opportunity man to to hang out with you and just uh just chat so yeah yeah no i, I love it and um i, I think uh why waste any time? We'll, we'll dive right in. I heard a little bit of um, of your testimony of some of your background on a video that was posted, I think, on the cross um, on the uh, Crossline website. And I think you're at Angel Stadium, and you're given a, a a little little rundown, a little little piece of your testimony. And one of the yeah. things that that I, I I related to so much is that. Um, and, and man, I'm really not wasting any time here. I feel like, but we saw what drugs and alcohol did to our fathers. And yeah. at some point you found yourself, I, I know I found myself going down that same path. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what made you change directions in that? And then maybe we would, you know, you can give us a little background about yourself in, in that process as well. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, I, I love that question because, you know, early on, early on in, in, in dealing with my dad's addictions, you know, it start. you know, I was, we were young and started with alcohol and he started smoking pot and then, then pot moved to doing cocaine, then freebasing and then, you know, heroin, heroin, you know, heroin addict. And so in that process, it was like from eight years old till I was about 17, it just got really bad. And 
just you know, I'll, I'll answer that question first, and then I'll, I'll kind of go. I'll go back and share some things of the craziness. But I just seeing that my dad go through these phases, and then him being and all the pain that was being caused to our to our family. I knew right away, like I knew right away that I'm not going to do that to my children. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to do that to my kids. And I, I had this, I don't know. I don't know. I know parents of addicts and, and have different roads they go down. You know, some go down the same path because that's what they learn and others are more like me. But, you know, it, it was funny because then when I got to high school, I was, you know, alcohol was okay. I was totally anti-drug because of yeah. my dad. But, you know, I was I was going down the same path in a sense that my whole focus was on partying, girls and football and, and, and that whole thing. So I got I got caught up in that. But, you know, I, I, I just had this sense about me, though, like, I'm not going to be that. I'm not yeah. doing that to my kids. And so it was this this. And I remember talking to my mom about it. She said, oh, you can't. Oh, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you guys said. No, no, I'm never going to be like that piece. Of, you know what? And so and being that kid who grew up in stuff, man, it would do, it, it just got crazy. Like the, the first person I ever really hit. So he wouldn't drive drunk or I got in a fight with was my dad, 12 accounts of drunk driving. Wow. How is that possible? Dang. Like, yeah. That's a you, lot. And so he would want to always want to drive when he's hammered, like just belligerent. And yeah. I, I remember having fun with them, you know, like I would, we, I didn't grow up in it. We were in a Christian home and I remember making fun of him and, 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 no, just not making well, making fun of him, but more like playing with him. He's yeah. so drunk. Trying to mess. I would with hear him. him grab his keys and try, try to go out the front door. So I'd run out the back door and run around the side. I'd be standing at the front door, and he'd be like fumbling around. He'd walk out, and then I'd be like, "Hey, Dad, what's up?" You know, he's like, "Dang it, you're always there. How do you know?" And <laughs> so hammered, you yeah. would that, then then he'd try to go out the back door, go around. So I'd go out the front and be at the he trying to open the gate, trying to get out, and he opens it. And he's just like, you just see this like, uh, darn it. And he just walks yeah. back to, you know, it was, I know I'm laughing at it now, but it's just so yeah. sad. But, you know, but, but besides that, um, so, you know, the first person really hit and the first time I did cocaine, when I was in seventh grade was my dad. It's like, Hey, I'd rather you try it with me than your friends is what, what his excuse was Dang. for doing that. The first time I had a shotgun put to my head and it's just such a, it's a crazy statement is that my dad was running drugs and he stole a Porsche from his drug dealing friend. And he had a guy at the house to protect the family. I didn't, we, I didn't know this. I was, I was like 11 years old at the yeah. time. Yeah. And I get up to go take a leak in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden I startled the guy on the couch. He gets up, cocks the shotgun, pins my head to the thing, light gets turned on. And I, you know, I pissed my pants yeah. and I just go back to my room and shut my door, put my little toy box in front of the, in front of the door and Man. just go to sleep. And I mean, I try to go to sleep, but I can't. And I wait for the sun to come out and I fall asleep and I get out and it's just, you know, my dad, the marshals would come and I was the youngest of, of two boys. And uh, like there's my next brother's two years older than me. And my other's like six years older, but we would have cops come to the house and they're embarrassed and they would send me to the front door uh, to, to, deal with the marshals and I was always scared to death. I remember one time my dad um, was drinking and the marshals knock on the door and there's a cop there and he's like, Hey, and he comes in like, don't tell him I'm here. Don't tell him I'm here. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about, Dad? And so he takes off uh, outside, and then I go open the door, and it's the marshals, and they're like, hey, is your dad here? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, uh, and I didn't really answer, and he's just like, you know, son, is your dad here? And I'm like, you know, kind of, I, I just didn't want to deal with this crap anymore. So I'm like, I nod my head, you know, and then they come in the house, and uh, they, my dad's trying to go over the back wall. And we had, our back wall had a little, it was behind the, like a 7-Eleven shopping center kind of thing. And there was a cop there waiting for him to go over the wall. So the two guys arrest him and he's walking back, you know, at the front door. I'm just sitting there listening to this. And then he walks by and he's like, you know, you piece of shit. Wow. And he says that to me. And I was like, I remember how I'm just like, it's not my problem, man. Yeah. It's not my problem. This is. How old were you yeah. at this time? Gosh, that was probably again at 10 10 Dang. 11 years old so you're not a teenager yet you're still just yeah i know it's just like and just to hear you know and then he tried to get me to i did that coke one time with him and i just remember and then he after we did that he put me in a limo with some girls and we drove me home and he's like hey don't tell your mom i'll be home later and it just was like you know I, I i cried a lot i i have all this in my book and this it's called the guy survival war fighting peacemaking because i was a survivor war fighter peacemaker and yeah. in the beginning of that i talk about these stories you know i talk about what happened and so it's just it was uh it was tragic man yeah. and of all the things i have to say that really impacted me like it's missing my birthdays mm. he missed my 11th 12th and 13th birthday and you know i don't want to get into it i, I think that gets me the most yeah. emotional it's sure. i don't know why sure it's weird it's just that um well, I think that you, he wouldn't do so many promises that were broken. Right. Well, do you, you know? think too, like sit like, um, once you become a father and you, and you realize like the love that you have for your own kids and then you just kind of go like, how, how could he do that? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like how I, I just don't, yeah. you don't get it. You know? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, you know, that that's really part of, I have to, I have to, um, I have to get myself up to have compassion for yeah. um, addicts, you know, like, yeah. it, it's hard to explain. Like it's, this is like, this is getting pretty deep, but <laughs> we're only like nine minutes of, in. <laughs> what's that? We're nine minutes in. We definitely know, dove man, right in, like, man. I love it. Thank I know, you. I, Cause I don't want to shame. I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to shame anybody, but I just think it's like, there's a, you know, cause I do understand that what we get to a point of addiction and you, there's really no turning back where it overtakes you. Right. Yeah. I totally understand that. I, 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 gosh, I've walked through it. I, I lived it. I, I know, I know that, but there's that point. I think there's a, there's that point where that selfishness before you got to the addiction, that, that selfishness, your desire to do your own thing, your desire to be your own guy, your desire to do whatever took you down a path. And, and, it's like a snowball, right? Once you get into it, it's so hard to stop. But there's that yeah. point. And all I'm trying to say is there's a point when you do have a choice, yeah. when you, you don't have to make that, that decision. And he was making decisions, you know, that were based on his flesh and it pulled him into the pit, man. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I don't judge people for that. I just, as a person of an addict, just being honest with you, yeah. that thought that's good through my mind. It's like, well, there's one point where you did choose to do this. You, you chose this. Yeah. You know, no, I didn't choose it. Yes, no, no, no. As there's a point, so that's yeah. uh, not to sound incompassionate or anything, but I, you know, I do. But I, I'm all about helping people get in recovery, you know, and getting sober and, and directing them and counseling them and guiding them. So yeah. anyway, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I love that, man. Thanks so much for sharing that. I know those are um, we definitely dove. That's probably the fastest I think I've dove into a podcast. <laughs> like I don't, I mean, hey, it just happens. I mean, that's God doing work, I guess. So, um, yeah. So one one of the things I I wanted to also lead with, man, is just say thank you for your service for serving our country. Um, right. You know, I I I love um our veterans, our first responders, and uh, I know that um you know, our veterans and our first responders are some of the folks who deal with trauma and addiction and alcoholism like no other do. And so right. um, I know that that's some of the work that that you do as well. And I, I'd like to get into that uh, in at some yeah. point in the conversation too, but maybe give us right. a little background on you being a Marine. Um, how, how did, how did that maybe play into you joining the military after coming up on with, with such a background um, dealing with your right. father? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I think we were, uh, you know, we moved from Ohio when I was like four years old and I grew up in Fountain Valley, California. It's right next to Huntington Beach, you know, and it was a great place. And then as I got older, you know, all, some of those stories I was telling you, just it got worse and worse and worse. And then my dad was gone more and more and more. And so it got to the point where he just was gone. And he, he wasn't coming home. It was a month, you know, two months. He's, I mean, is he dead? We don't know. So many times we go looking for him and, you know, and then, or we get a call from the bar, you know, come pick up your dad. And, you know, my brothers would get me in the car and I'll give you a thrifty ice cream if you go get dad, you know, because they're embarrassed. Right. And so, but all I have to say is he just was gone more and more. And then it got to a point where, uh, my seat, you know, I really, my family was my friends. My mom had to work full time. We got evicted four times, kicked out of the you know house. You know, my, I lived at my friend's houses and, you know, those families took care of me and I, you know, I was so thankful for them and, and them giving me some structure in that regard. And my mom did the best she could, you know, to take care of. I grew up on peanut butter sandwiches, top ramen and Hormel chili, man, that was my meal. But so he's gone all the time, and I re I just start realizing my friend joins the Marine Corps, and he's going to go visit uh, his recruiter one day. And so I go with him, and then we're sitting there, and he's like, hey, you know, you guys can go in the buddy program. And I remember I asked him, I go, is there any conflicts going on? You know, he's like, no, there's nothing going on in the world, you know? And, yeah. You know, I just watched Full Metal Jacket, that movie, <laughs> and and then That's I joined the one. Marine Corps. It shows you my wow. little my psyche, right? Yeah. It's like. So I, I just, I joined, I joined because I, it was my spring of senior year. I really didn't have any direction. And I really, I thought, Hey, three meals a day. And I just got to do what I'm told. I can handle that. I played football. And so I was used to hell week. I was always like, Hey, Oh, is it like full metal jacket? I, for some reason that was attractive to me. And I, and I understand now there's a lot of guys like me that come from broken homes that that really appeals to them. You know, there's a, you know, there's, there's a, Lieutenant Grossman uh, is a great guy. He wrote a book called On Combat. And, you know, he's that he, the whole quote, if you've ever heard it, when he talks about that there's, you know, there's there's wolves and then there's sheep and then there's sheepdogs. And so we're, you're either a sheep or you're a psychotic wolf, or then there's the sheepdogs that are these, have a, they have psychotic tendencies, but they have empathy as well. Yeah. And they're your cops and they're your, and they're your special forces guys. And they're the guys that are first responders. They're the sheepdogs. And I've always been wired that way for some reason. And I, I, I joined because I had nowhere else to go, to be honest with you. And I felt like I needed a new chapter, a new start. How to get out of this craziness. 
And that was a, that was an opportunity for me. And I'm not alone. There's a lot of guys and women like me that grow up in chaos or, yeah. you know, um, or raised by wolves, so to speak. And then we're, we're attracted to that. And then there's some, there's a lot of Marines and military people that are grew up in gray homes and, you know, it's a heritage and, and that. So it's not just me, but I just was, I was, I wanted a new start. And so I, I joined the Marine Corps and, uh, and I loved it. I was in boot camp and I thrived. You know, I was, it was just like full metal jacket. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I dug it. I dug being challenged and like, you know, put, like you can't push me farther. You know, I will, I can do anything you throw at me. Anything you give me, I can handle. Cause I, I'd grown up in such a lot. I wasn't afraid of anything. I wasn't, I just, I had this chip on my shoulder too. I wanted to prove something. I wanted to start my new life. So yeah. I really, I really uh, excelled and I enjoyed it, you know? And so halfway, you know, during, um, I joined in, that was, I went to boot camp in the, in March of 89, 1989. And I, my buddy, we're, we were supposed to go together. He couldn't wait. So he, he left in the fall. And I, and I actually, I played football at, football at Orange Coast College for a semester. And then I went in the Marine Corps in March. And so I go in the Marine Corps. My dad at that time is not around. We don't know. My brother's getting married in June of that year. I'm going to miss his wedding because I'm in boot camp. And then we don't know where my dad is. And my dad winds up missing his first son's wedding. It's just like, just unbelievable. Like I just, yeah. he, he was gone. We didn't know where he was at the time. I'll come back to, to that. But I joined the Marine Corps and I love it. Boot camp, graduated the guide. So I was the guide in Marine Corps boot camp. And so that, in that picture of the, there's a picture on the cover. It's I'm the guy. That's actually me, oh, you know, a little, awesome. little thinner and leaner, but, um, love that cover. That, that's a great, so I'm holding a flag. And if you, you call it the platoon flag is called a guide on. And if you carry that, you the drill instructors call you guide. They yell at you, guide, go, oh. where are you at guide? So that's the term. So the guide, uh, is, is where that title comes from. And, so I was a guy in boot camp, loved it, totally excelled. And then I got out and then I was stationed at Pendleton. I had my, my mom had to move back to Ohio cause my dad wasn't around. And then, um, I would just hang out and still go up to Fountain Valley, see my friends. And then all of a sudden I meet this girl, uh, she just rocks my world and her name is Kimberly. And I start hanging out with her and, you know, we, uh, I mean, just, I fall in love with her heart. She becomes my family, my rock. She goes to a, uh, a Monday night Bible study at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa with Greg Laurie. And uh, she get, goes there and she recommits her life to Christ. She had grown up in the church, but w when I met her, she was not walking with the Lord. Yeah. And she recommits her life to Christ and comes back to her house and says, hey, you can't stay at this, our house anymore. And we can't have sex anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what do yeah, you mean? Wait, what? That's crazy. What do you yeah. mean we can't have sex anymore? Like, and, and so, but anyway, right at that time, that was like in July and August, uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And so, uh, and then we sent troops over right away to protect Kuwait. And so, uh, my unit is slotted to go. And for the first time in my life, I start reflecting on my own eternity. You know, I start asking the question, okay, what happens when you die? And I started to read these self-help books and I was, you know, all this stuff and, and then my brother Rob uh, went to a funeral my, and uh, he went to a funeral and he felt like the pastor was talking right to him and he gave his life to Christ. And so 
Harvest Crusade was happening. Harvest Crusade, Greg Laurie. It's a it's a yeah. big. It's like a Billy Graham Crusade, but like West Coast hipper version, I guess. And they were doing their first one at the Pacific Amphitheater in Costa Mesa, and um, it was with Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie. They call it the Summer Harvest uh, Crusade. And so that was happening. My brother Rob goes, "Hey, do you want to go to this?" Um, and where I'm at with the war, just you know, I'm going to go to combat. I'm like. Yeah, I do want to go. And then Kimberly's like, oh, that's that same guy that, you know, he's going to be teaching. I, I met him, you know, I saw him at the, the Monday Night Bible Study. So I went to the Harvest Crusade, and it was five nights, Sunday through Thursday. And then they ended with a baptism at uh, Pirate's Cove or whatever it's called in Corona Del Mar. Yeah, but uh, awesome. I went on Sunday night, and then I wound up going every night. And every night I'd see people come forward to receive Christ. And, and I just would watching them. But every night I had an excuse. One night it was my pride and like, Oh, you're, this is stupid. Like you don't need this. And the other was my, the other night was my intellectual, you know? Oh, well, well, if God is real, then why is there this and that all these intellectual questions. And then the third night was my fear. Like, Oh my God, you know, I, what's, you know, what's going to, you know, what are people going to think? And, and, I don't know. And then another night was my shame. Like, you know, I'm not worthy of God's love, you know, and I just, I just but every, every, they made my, my family or, or Kimberly and my brother and, and my sister-in-law would ask me, Hey, do you want to go back? And every, every time I go, yeah, something was drawing me, something was calling me. And I remember that last was a Thursday night. I had gone every night. I've, I've seen people come to Christ and I've been fighting with God. And this last night, they, Greg Laurie does a call says, Hey, if you want to, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want peace, come forward. And then he said two things that night that really stuck with me. He says, if you want to, if you want to, um, if you want to have a relationship with God, he wants to have one with you. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Come have one with them. And, and then he said something else. He goes, you know, that baby in a manger, he grew up and he walked this earth, you know, and he paid a debt that he didn't know. And, and he, he died for you. And, and, and it just, it all came full circle all the nights that night. And I just remember after like the second call, I just stood up, I just stood up and, and I remember Kimberly looking at me and said, you want me to go with you? And I said, no, I need to do this on my own. And I just, I just tapped out. I just surrendered like all my pain, all my anger, all my frustration, all my excuses. And I stood up and I remember, I remember just so vividly is like, all the excuses that I had before that night, it was because I was so afraid that someone else was going to let me down. Could I try? I didn't trust anybody. You know, the only thing I really trusted in my life was Kimberly. And I was so afraid that if this is God's just someone else that's going to let me down. Yeah. And so I just was battling. And then I just tapped out that night. I stood up and I remember going in the aisle was all backed up. And I, and I, and he, he said the sinner's prayer and I said it, man, and I was saved hardcore, man. I, I said, yes to Jesus. And I'll, and I'll just, just today I get emotional every time I think about it. It just was yeah. such a, it was such a pivotal moment in my life from darkness to light. And I remember the next day, my friend asked me like, I heard you like some, I heard you give your, you're like some Jesus freaked out or something. I remember saying, I didn't even know what that was. Or, and I said, <laughs> and I don't know what, happened i just i remember i decided to stop living for myself and start living for god and oh he said he goes are you born again i'm like no i don't know what that means i don't know but all i know is 
I, I, I stopped living for myself and I started living for God. And I said yes to, uh, to the Lord and he just, it transformed my life. And then, so I went to the Gulf war and I experienced, you know, combat. I was, uh, I, I, I was, uh, I saw, I saw things that no, no human should see. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was difficult. And, uh, and processing all that as a new believer, a new Christian, it was, it was hard, you know, there was a lot there. And, but, um, I had God's assurance like I'd never had before. And that's, that's something that when I said goodbye to Kimberly on the dock, when I left on ship, I went over there on ship, uh, in December, I went up, it was August. I went up going over there in December and we got there. And I was there in January and there for the assault and the ground war and everything that took place. And I also did graves and registration for my unit, which is you have to process the dead. Mm-hmm. And then I helped with prisoners of war Iraqis, then process their, their dead because they had no idea what to do with them. So anyway, it was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this assurance I never had before. And it, I came full circle when I came back from the Gulf war. Um, and I was sitting there and I was remembering the assurance I felt when I was saying goodbye to Kimberly. And here I was back going through all that and that God had pulled me through. And then the adage that Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's such a hard and difficult thing to process and understand. But I saw that firsthand. It's really sustained me. I don't have an existential crisis. I, I believe that God is God and I'm not, and I can't explain everything, but I know he's real. And I know yeah. he's transformed my life. And so uh, that, that that's what I experienced. And I know there's so many other military people like me that have experienced trauma, whether in combat or just from their childhood or even just being on being in, you don't have to go to combat to experience trauma. Yeah. And so and a lot of them are just like me. And I, and I want to help men and women uh, fight through that, fight through that trauma and process it, whether it's through PTSD or MTBI, or whether it's moral injury, doing something that you know is against what you believe. Yeah. So anyway, I, and that's a long answer. Oh no, it's a great answer. <laughs> it's a, it's a great, it's, it's great, man. It's, it's yeah. man. It's uh, there, there's, there's so many questions I feel like I want to ask you or hear about now. Yeah, so let please, me, I, 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 I took a couple, I took a couple little notes here and then I took a couple mental notes too. So maybe we can start with this. Um, you said that, um, cause I know I, I, I relate to so much of those days that you went through of going, you said you kept coming back day. There, there was the five day, uh, right. um, at, at pirates cove, I think. Right. And it's first day was pride. The second day yeah. was fear, yeah. um, somewhere in that order. Right. And I know there's so many dudes out there who deal with that. We, and, and then also as a dude, we want to fix everything and we want answers. We want to know, I want to know this. I want to know how well, right. that's impossible. That, that, that can't be true. That doesn't work. Go down right. all those things. And at some point it's like the more that I try to figure it out and the more that I try to make sense of it all, the worse right. it gets <laughs> and the right. more, the more pressure it feels and the more, um, the more freedom I lose, I think. And so, at some point, we have to throw our hands up and say, "I don't know." It's like my three favorite words. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. Right. But what I do yeah. know is, like you said, that God is real. He's done works in my own life. You've seen firsthand in your own life. Um, 
what would you say to another dude out there or anybody at that? But I guess I'm just speaking yeah. for, for the guys right now. Like, um, right. that maybe is uh, from a, a, a tough background or, um, maybe they're just struggling period. Like, what do you say to a guy who's trying to get all the answers, man, but just really the, the ultimate answer is just to, just to surrender. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, I think it's like, we can try all, you know, the world, you know, I, we were all born with this God shaped hole in our heart. I, I it, it's meant to, it is meant for a relationship. The meaning of life is a relationship with God. And I think we spend so much of our whole lives and, guys who battle with addiction and, 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 and just in life in general, we're trying to fill that, that, that hole with everything yeah. the world has to offer, but it never satisfies it. Nothing satisfies that thirst, that desire. And man, we will believe man, 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 things, earthly things, the universe, all these other things, you know, will you know, we'll do crystals and we'll do all these things that are all these substitutes or earthly things that to try to fill that spot or feel that connection when, when God had a plan, you know, and, and the living God of the universe who created you said the God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, and he, he wants to have a relationship with you. And he sent his son as that final sacrifice. And, and Jesus came and spoke and says, you know, you, you don't believe my words, but you believe the words of your ancestors. You know, it's like, it, it's easy for us, I think, to, to believe in more tangible things. And I think we want to just answer it. And I think like the, the self-help stuff is, you know, I, you know, I got myself into the mess. I need to get myself out of it. And I just, and I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, after all of that experience, it's like, you know, having a relationship with God, you know, people say, Oh, it's just a crutch. Instead of shooting up drugs, you just shoot, you know, instead of dealing with it, you're just, you know, uh, you're just shooting up God. You're just, you know, God's just a crutch. And I'm, and I'm like, God's not a crutch, man. Yeah. He's a life support system. And I don't even know how you go, go through without it. I just yeah. think, how do you explain all this, this random crazy stuff? You know, it's like, I, God, you know, God can take, if he can use me, like I'm a knucklehead, man. I've, and and he can use the monk family and and all that we've been through and taking our worst and dust us off and give us on the job training and and, yeah. and and use us for his purpose. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. that he can take that. So I would say, man, you're gonna spend if you're that guy who's doubting everything and you can go try the way of the world, fill that, try it out, you're just gonna be disappointed. It's never yeah. it's never gonna yeah. satisfy that that thirst uh, the, the perfect matching piece is a relationship with god and that's that's my truth and that is the truth yeah, amen <laughs> so, amen i 100 yeah agree and i've talked to so many different um different uh people and have friends who literally had it, it from a worldly perspective or have it all the cars the house the money the yeah. women everything and every single one of them told me the same thing that it didn't matter nothing fulfilled they were they were right. constant the drugs the alcohol it would there was constantly a hole there and finally right. a relationship with god was the only thing that actually finally satisfied that and made them find some peace in life and so i think right. that leads me into this next question for you um i hear this a lot uh in particularly in um 
recover in a recovery community. Um, you know, oh, you're 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 gonna go to a twelve step program, or you're gonna go to a men's group, or whatever. Oh, well, there's God involved. Um, well, hey, uh, yeah, that's cool for you, but I don't do religion. Okay, bro, like. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God. So I just wanted to hear yeah. your take on the difference between religion and a relationship with God. Yeah. So funny, like, you know, I'm just such, you know, I'm not a church guy. I didn't yeah. grow up in the church. I didn't, I mean, I, I still think in cuss words, you know, like I, every growing up. Oh, thank I, you. I feel up, so, I feel so, I'm so, I don't mean to interrupt, but I feel so much better about right now because it's one of my, no, it's one of my struggles I'm just, too. I'm just like, gosh, okay. okay. If you're listening, don't judge me. Yeah. Hey man, I just, I'm just trying to be honest as possible. Like yeah. I grew up like in a crappy situation. I mean, every adjective verb was a cuss word. Then I joined the Marine Corps, right? I mean, every verb, adjective, noun, at whatever. Yeah. All the grammar starts with the ends of the cuss word. Yep. Right. So, um, you know, uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, we're just talking about the difference between religion and a, and a relationship with God. Yeah. 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 And so I, I, and I, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that guy that my friends see me now. Like I see friends that I haven't seen since, you know, our people I know from high school and they're like, Greg, you're a pastor. Really? How do, no way. Like I'm that guy. I'm not that, that guy that was, you know, I didn't, I, I was a fun guy, but you know, I got in a lot of fights and, and different things in high school. And it was, it, and it was usually cause I didn't start them. It was cause my friends, big mouths, you know? And so, um, anyway, so growing up in that, I, I don't have this religiosity, you know, I don't, yeah. so I'm not a big religion guy, you know, I am in the fact that, you know, stepping back for the Christians listening, like I, I love God's word and his, his theology. And I understand what it means to be the church and, and true religion and, and that, but I'm, I'm just talking from the, for this question. It's like, no, I don't, it, I'm all about authenticity and realness. It's not about religion. It's not about legalism. It's not about do's and don'ts. There's a part of that. There's a part of being holy. And as God, as we walking with the Lord, you know, we take steps forward, you know, maybe it's two steps forward and we take a step back and then that that's okay. God's word is for that grace. And that's what I am attracted. I'm not attracted to religion. I'm attracted to God's grace and his sovereignty and that he's the God of the first chance, the second chance and the hundredth chance. And, you know, even though we're doing two steps forward, one step back, it's still going forward. And, and I'm not about judging somebody like, cause you, if, you know, the sober guy podcast, right? Like that, you know how it is in, in, in recovery. It's like, it could be your 20th time, you know? Oh, yeah. How many promises have you made? Like my dad, how many times did I see him, you know, before he changed his life? And I, I got to, I got to talk about that for sure, about what happened to yeah. my dad. Yeah. But it is about, it's not about religion. It's about relationship and God wants to have him with you. And that's why it's, it's so important just, it's just to accept God's grace. Cause that's where that God loves you just the way you are. And it's sometimes it's hard to believe that, but you can't get your, there's, you can't clean all the mud and dirt off of you. You're not going to get yourself right and then be ready to have a relationship with God. God meets you at your worst. He takes, he died for you at your worst, not at your best. And so that's what's so awesome about God. Yeah. And, and he has made a way for us. And so it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And for God, that is the meaning of life relationship with God. Yeah. And it's through Jesus. It's yeah. Christianity, you know? And so, yeah, 
I hope that helps a little. It right? does. No, it's, that's great. That's great. And I think it's a great kind of segue into coming back around because one of the, one of the questions that um, I had regarding your dad is, um, well, I think that, um, uh, that we took a note of even um, growing up, going through all that, um, hating him and now loving him. So how, how so yeah. I mean, I think that also ties into uh, forgiveness. So how do we forgive? Yeah. How do we have compassion um, and, and find freedom in those things that, or those people that have hurt us or those situations that we felt wronged in? Yeah, man, that's like, dude, that is a such a powerful question. And, you know, I, I had, I've lived that and I, I have an answer. I do. I have an answer for that. I, I'm just telling you, I hated my dad with a passion. Like he let me down so many times, so many times that he would promise not to do it again. So many times of yelling at him when there's guys shooting heroin in our house, that like, don't speak English and, and I'm kicking him out of the house and he's like, chill out, man. It's cool. You know? And, and I'm like sitting him in a chair and he's crying saying, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. You know, I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't do it again. And, and you know, all those stories, I just, I, I hate it. Just, he would apologize and I would stick my hands down. He'd cut him off. He would do something. I would apologize. He'd cut him off. It just, this hatred built up so much. So one time I was in the Marine Corps and then he was trying to get his life back together. And I got a phone call that he was drink, drinking and driving again. And he went off an, an ice plant off Euclid Avenue here in uh, Fountain Valley. And the hospital called me. He's in the hospital. I go visit him, go down and visit him. And he's there in the hospital. They have a, a policeman there in case he tries to leave because his drunk drivings were catching up with him. And so I remember walking in and spitting on him and walking out. That's how much hatred I had for him. I just, I just wanted to tell him what a son of a, you know, he was, I just, and I left, I hated him. So long story short, one time, uh, my dad ultimately gets pulled over for a drug driving and drug possession and he gets put in jail for six years. And so he gets sentenced and, and, um, he gets out of jail. My mom asked me to go pick him up. And I go call the other brothers. And he's like, no, can you just do it for me? My mom's in Ohio at this time. He got out early. He had to spend all six years. He Good behavior. He cut down like two and a half, three years. And um, and so I, because of my mom asked me, I go down to El Cajon. I had to pick him up in jail. And I go down and I pick him up. And we're driving back. And I'm telling him what happened to me in the Gulf War and all that's gone on and how, you know, how, how Christ has been in my life. And, and he said, uh, oh, yeah, I give my life to Christ in jail. And see, at that time, I didn't, I didn't believe him. I didn't have a, I, I don't, you know, you, you lack trust, even though I'm a new creation and I'm, I'm learning what it means to be a godly man. I'm still working out my kinks, right? And I don't trust this guy as far as I can throw him. So he says that. I'm like, okay, dad, whatever, you know? And so, and then also, one time during his uh, addiction, uh, when I was younger, I was like 13, he got, he got saved and we went to church for 30 days. And then 30 days later, he was back doing, you know, drugs. And so for me, I was the guy who said, I was the one who used to say, oh, Christianity's just a crutch. Yeah. Instead of shooting heroin, you know, you're shooting up God. I was like, I would make fun of Christians yeah. and, you know, and here full circle. So that's why we're in the car. My dad says he's a Christian. I'm like, yeah, okay, dad, whatever. But sure enough, man, he, he, his whole life became about Christ. He got a job, you know, you know, uh, at a hotel on the night shift 
And I thought for sure he's going to go back to drugs, right? Oh, yeah. I had no trust. Yeah. But all of a sudden, six months in, he's sober. Wow. And he starts, he's in recovery. And then a year he's in recovery. Then he starts sponsoring guys. Then another year he's sober and like he's speaking at different things. Um, and then we start meeting after, after about a year and a half, two years, we start meeting for lunch or breakfast or whatever. And I'm just like, dad, why would you, why do you say that to me? When I was, when the cop, when he got pulled over and he would just weep and he would just cry and say, I'm so sorry, Greg. And then, why would you let me do drugs with you when I was 13? And, and that, and like, and why would you have someone at the house? And you know, why didn't you, yeah. why didn't you pull me in your room during that? And he would just weep and just, just, just weep and ask for forgiveness. And, and so over like a, a year and a half, two year process of us meeting, we started to reconcile relationship. And I remember the first camp I went to after I got back from the Gulf war, someone asked me to be a camp. That's my, that's my, how did I get into church? Yeah. Going back to your question, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. I get back from the Gulf War, and the guy who's counseling us, you know, says, uh, hey, Greg, why don't you, uh, marriage counseling, why don't you come up and be a, a, a counselor at camp? And I'm like, dude, there's no way. I'll cuss at the kids, man. I'm like, I was in the Marine Corps. They get the wrong guy. And he said this. He goes, it's only through the blood of Jesus that any of us are worthy. So come be a, a counselor up at camp. And so I went, and, man, they stuck me with all these inner city kids from Compton and Maywood and Long Beach throwing serious attitude, you know, Hispanic guys, black guys, you know, and I was there and it was awesome because my story was their story. Yeah. We all had dads that had abandoned us somehow, some way. Yeah. It didn't matter about our skin color or who we were. Addiction doesn't care about any of that stuff. It just destroys. And, and uh, by the end of that, end of that year, I, at the end of that time, you know, they were calling me, asking me to be their counselor again. And and so at the end of that, that first camp, Dan goes, hey, will you give your testimony? And I said, sure. And I gave my testimony. But at my testimony, my dad's in jail. I'm like, guys, I just said to all these junior hires, you know, I even cussed, I think, in my testimony. They didn't laugh. <laughs> they weren't laughing at anything, man. You know, junior yeah. hires laugh at everything. Yeah, It was just all serious as could be. And then I just said, hey, I need you to, I need you to pray for me. Because I hate my father and I don't know how to forgive him, but I know it's only through my relationship with God and that I could learn to forgive my dad. Yeah. And I said that there fast forward, I'm driving now in the car. I just picked him up from jail. We're driving back. And then that process I just share with you starts and slowly, but surely I, I came to love my dad. You know, yeah. I came to forgive my dad for all the pain he caused me. And and then we, and then I was able, then we would speak together. It's called, so you want to see a miracle. And we would start at different sides of the stage. And then he would say there once was a father and I would say there once was a son. And then as the message goes on, we're getting closer and closer together because wow. it is the Jesus is the great reconciler of all. It is only through our relationship with Christ that I can forgive my father. Period. Man. Stop. Full stop. So good. That's, that's forgiveness. Oh man, dude, I, I've done, I've done a lot of podcasts. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones. I got to tell you, man. thank you. Thank you so much, man, for this is great. Um, Thanks, I, man. I, I know we don't have too much time left. I want to be respectful right. of that. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book. I would love to, um, yeah. uh, to hear a little bit more about it. Where can folks find it at? Um, what, what, you know, give, give us a little synopsis and what they can look for in it. 
Sure, man. Yeah. And just to tie off, uh, so it is, it's so it's called the guide because I told you I'm Marine Corps boot camp, but also because Jesus became my guide. So the underlying theme as you read the book is not just I was a guide in boot camp, but that who's the guide of your life? What's guiding your life? Who's guiding your life? And I can tell you the only thing that makes any sense to me, and I have experienced everything, man. I have seen it all the good and the bad humanity. And, and it's, and it's through God, it's through relationship with God. And so that's why I wrote the book. I actually wrote the book for my children. I have five kids, you know, they're both from, I have four boys, one girl, 18 to 18 to uh, 27, my oldest. And then my oldest is an act. My kids are actors. Uh, My son, Noah was Gibby on iCarly famous show. And he was on the Goldbergs for 10 years. And so he's an actor and, my kids, they're all actors and performers. I'm just so blessed. Yeah. But, you know, and then so it goes, I go through each of those phases that you and I talked about already. Survive, you know, my surviving, survival stage, my war fighting stage, and then peacemaking. And you know what? That camp I was so afraid to be a counselor at and just said yes to. Um, later on, I became the, the director of that camp, you know, years oh, later. Wow. Then I started going to Bible college at night. And then I had a job after the Marine Corps selling semiconductors and did really well, managed 175 million sales. But I always had this, and I was, but I was involved in youth ministry and camps. And, and then I had opportunity for someone to go on staff at a church full time. And I left an amazing job at 30 to go do ministry. And then yeah. we started Crossline Church back in 2005. And now 18 years ago, I'm the lead pastor. My buddy JP is the senior pastor. We have a church of about 12, 1400 come on a Sunday and, awesome. and God just done an incredible work. And so my book, the book is about that. The book is about what you, what I've shared with you really, all the stories I'm telling you and yeah. more are in here about, uh, when you allow God to guide your life, what he can do. I'm telling you what, man, if he can use me, he can use you. And that's really, that's the essence of the story. And I'm yeah. just, I'm a blessed man. I live in total contentment. I did. I don't have existential crises. I, I'm not saying that. It, I know it's hard to explain when somebody loses someone they love, or lose a child, or they have cancer. How can God allow that to happen? And how can, how could God allow my friend to die in my arms on the battlefield? How can a God allow that my dad to do what he did to me? And the prayers I would pray to him. I didn't know who God was, but these pagan prayers asking God to help me. God answered all my prayers. Not in the timing I would have liked, yeah. but he answered all my prayers. And I'm, a, I'm so blessed that I'm, like, I'm overwhelmed. And so I can live in that. And some people really hate that. They hate yeah. that God take. when I say the word, God takes your worst and uses it for his best. Yeah. And then you just make that comment. They almost get offended because they've been living a life of pain and struggle. But you got to tap out, man. You got to surrender that pain. Yeah. Somebody, God will take it all. Yeah, that's good, so. man. Love it, man. Greg, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I'll put yeah. all the links today in the show notes. Um, uh, let's see. It's uh, gregmonk.net, right? And then order yeah, the Yeah, sorry, I got you how to get the book. Yeah. yeah. You can go to my website. It's gregmonk.net. Okay. And then also uh, orderthegui.com. That you can, there's okay. links there to the orderthegui.com. That might be easier. But my name, if you look up Greg Monk, 
uh, you'll be able to find me. Yeah. So find the book. And and I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, when I was doing a little pre-production before our our uh, podcast today. I did see that your son was Gibby. And so I have a 13 year old daughter and, and oh. this is funny because she still watches iCarly. iCarly is yeah. 12, 12 years old or something. And, yeah. uh, and so I, I, I realized I kind of put two and two together and I, I went upstairs and I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, Gibby, I said, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast with his dad. She's, oh, she's just freaking out. Stuff. I was cracking up. Yeah. So uh, Dude, good, Gibby, good stuff, yeah, man. Yeah. My, my son Noah is an amazing man uh, and he, he and he's you know is he the 27 uh, year old he's yeah. the he's the oldest he's my, he's my oldest yeah okay, got it. and my youngest was on the show too my youngest he's 18 he's okay. guppy on the show oh nice okay and, yeah it. and but that's a whole nother discussion yeah yeah, yeah I, I got you yeah yeah but no I'm just saying no that it is it's a it's an amazing journey that yeah it's crazy and uh but he loves it if you ever meet my son call him Noah yeah he loves oh, yeah. that name yeah, more than give absolutely <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure um yeah that, yeah that that surrender man once we do that we don't know what god's gonna do so um yeah. thank you thank you again i appreciate you we'll put all the links today in the show notes and um share the podcast with a friend please i would love it if you did that you can connect with us on instagram at that sober guy podcast peace love and respect keep your blood clean <laughs>